so my name's Peter. And my name is Carl. And you're listening to You Even Lift Bro, Men Exercising Social Justice. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate it. So today we're going to talk about music, but first let's do some intentional check-ins. So how are you, Carl? <laughs> um, you know what? I'm excited. I think that you and I are going to embark on this new journey. Um, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about each other throughout this process. And you're going to bring a fresh perspective that this podcast hasn't seen before. So definitely, definitely an exciting day. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm super excited to do this. I'm still kind of sick from last weekend. So I apologize if my voice sounds a lot more sarcastic. That's not on purpose. It's just my health. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty common theme on this show, apparently, for us to be sick. But let's get into the music thing and then we'll interview you later. Is that cool? Yeah, cool. Awkward. So why do we pick music? Why do we want to do music for your inaugural episode? So I wanted to choose music just because it's probably my favorite thing in the universe and I'm really passionate about it. I thought it would be really interesting to dive into like, you know, masculinity within the music industry. There's a lot of uh, controversy when it comes to certain artists that we're going to be talking about today. And so I thought it would just be a cool thing to start out with this new season. All right. So to be clear, we're looking deeper into the industry itself or are we talking about music specifically? like the lyrics, what's going on? I thought it'd be interesting to touch on the music industry as a whole and how men are affected by the music industry different than other groups and identities. But I'd really more like to get into like the lyrics and what kind of music we listen to and what that says about us. Okay, so let's start big and then go small. So music industry, for me, I'm not super familiar with the music industry. I just consume music and keep a critical eye on everything, right? If we live in a world that privileges men, in general, then it must also impact the music industry in in different ways. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if we look up the top 10 billboard, like right now, we can see that most of the artists are men. So we can understand that uh, the more popular an artist becomes, obviously, the more success they're going to get. And so what we can see from this list, I got it pulled up right now. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Drake is number one. Rune (laughs) five. Oh, I hate that song. (laughs) <laughs> um, Cardi B's in there a lot, which is pretty cool. And uh, Six Nine, if you know anything about Six Nine, that's really interesting to see him on the Billboard. Ariana Grande's on there twice, which is pretty cool. But for the most part, it's either men in the song or the women are just featured on it. If we look into this more in depth, it's actually just like the same three women, where right. it's like a di- where it's like many individual men and there's only like a couple of women. Yeah, cuz it's I think it would be really difficult to argue that men as a gender is more artistically viable in music, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. So there's two two components here that I think that are really interesting thing about one, how does the music industry promote, think about and work with artists who are men versus artists who are women or non-gender conforming versus how are we consuming it as a population, right? Because for them to make it to top 10 billboard, they have to also be liked by a bunch of folks, right? Like how does the top 10 billboard work? So the top 10 billboard is solely focused on popularity and playability. The formula of the billboard takes into like stream accounts from Spotify, iTunes purchases, plays on the radio, features and like YouTube music and stuff like that so this is not like the best music per se <laughs> this is the most popular music of today okay and try to curb some of that musical snobbiness i think that might come out a little bit yeah i guess so <laughs> the thing i think about music 
that stands out as a medium for entertainment for me, I feel like there's much more of an emotional attachment. Like music has an impact on me in a way that's more difficult to describe. Like I can describe why I like a movie, mm-hmm. but when it comes to music, I'm like, that just, just feels good. I don't, I don't like, yeah. it's, it's difficult to, to quantify, I think. And that's why one of the things that I find interesting about the music industry and people who consume it is the continued popularity of like known abusers. If we're going to connect this like directly into masculinity and violence is it seems to harbor or continue to keep popular men who are convicted or at least publicly known to be like people who beat women. Yeah. And what I'd like to get out of the way first and foremost is that nobody can control what they like. And if you hear a song and you think it's like a bop or a jam, like you can't physically control how much you like that music. With that thinking, we can't judge the people who listen to these this type of music. We have to judge the artists themselves. So I just think that's important. The argument too that you can separate the artist from the art confuses me a little bit. Like mm-hmm. The other part that I hate about this, too, is like the first two names that come up in my head when we talk about abusive artists who are still pretty popular is Chris Brown and then less arguably R. Kelly. He might not be as popular now as he was, but um, Chris Brown seems to continue to pop up with new music and people seem to continue to like his music. And I say it bothers me because like those are black men as well. And I think the public image of black men in particular who are artists the pathway to walk is narrower in my mind. Like I think the more, I think when black men screw up, it's more exaggerated, but that doesn't also excuse the fact that Chris Brown, like beat women and R Kelly runs like a sex swing basically. And I mean, we're not wildly speculating here. It's just kind of a, you can just look it up. It's common knowledge. (laughs) Right. And it's impossible for me to believe that it doesn't also happen to country music stars and pop singers at the same rates. We just don't seem to hear about them as often. And maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe country is a, is a small enough niche of group of artists um, where it doesn't happen. But again, I don't believe that as is coming out of my mouth. So I just, <laughs> yeah, what I think is that there's been a lot of controversy within country music specifically since you brought it up where producers and people behind the scenes of the music are the ones committing the sexual violence. And so when we see that these artists, the artists that you mentioned um, that are seen as like abusers and stuff like that, they have a lot more like star power and like, you don't want to see like, Oh, like this, like John Doe from country music recordings like sexually assaulted this person because you don't know who he is like that's just from a news standpoint whereas if you hear oh chris brown did this you're like oh i know who chris brown is let's report on it and i think that goes into a farther kind of uh layer of who are our artists and who do we like to exploit within the music Mm. industry and then how does media when those exploitations kind of come out into the world's view how does media trump on that and just say oh it's this guy it's him he's the bad man yeah because i think looking for how power and control works in the industry is an important part of this process right like it's often people behind the scenes who have the actual power not necessarily the artists themselves although we tend to aspire more to the lifestyle of the artists that in in mind and so when i think about kesha's story for example all of the power and control is with the people that put her into contract right like her story stayed behind the scenes for so long and even when it came out people were still like shut up and sing Mm -hmm. and i I just just being able to identify where the power lies in the music industry is an important aspect of understanding i think why 
the popularity of abusers continues to proliferate. Yeah. This whole idea of trying to find like uh, reporting on these people who were abusers is very important. And that's why the media is there. Uh, We know what's going on within the music industry. But since so many people don't know about the music industry and what happens underneath the layer of what's being published, it's very hard for somebody to sympathize with a victim who was abused by a producer versus it's easier to sympathize with a victim who was abused by a star because you already know who the star is. You already know these people. But when it's abused by someone within the industry, you kind of have this like shroud of anonymity of the person or the abuser. And like I bringing up like certain stories like uh, Katie Arminger, a, 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 sorry if I pronounced that wrong, is a country pop artist. And she uh, came out with some allegations for some people in the music industry who were, you know, sexually abusing her. And she was blacklisted from like every country radio station and every country label after that. It's also interesting to see when men are accused of these actions there's still there's like not much repercussion like they can still create music and you know get their voices heard whereas when a woman like Katie Armature came out with these types of allegations she was completely shut down and like blocked out from the music industry that's nuts yeah so yeah and I think so that makes me think about like the industry itself that produces the music that produces the artists sort of lives in this protective layer so like lyrics that come out that are misogynistic or homophobic is seen as the norm right yeah so that's where I think this relationship between consumer and producer gets really really interesting because I remember distinctly when uh Um, The allegations against Chris Brown came out initially. The Denver hip hop station or used to be hip hop station was going to bring Chris Brown for Summer Jam. And I remember commenting on Facebook saying, I can't believe you're going to bring an abuser to Summer Jam. Like what, where are your values at? Right. And I was just inundated by people saying like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I was I was obviously stepping into a realm that I had no knowledge of before. Right. Because of the I think personally, because of the intersection of race, of gender and of the music. And I always believe that things like I I started this whole thing saying that music has an influence on me. Music has some impact on me, like any form of media. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important to really critically consume everything, including the music that we listen to. Yeah. And like you touched on, like, I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into that where like music does have such an emotional connection. And like, what does the music that we're listening to say about us? Because, you know, I am certain that even if you listen to like, I don't know, like Little John and the East Side Boys, you're not going to be automatically a piece of poop. But like, (laughs) it's interesting to be like, if you're consuming these messages and you think it's the norm, like you said, and like this misogyny and like literal violence towards women is the norm within the music industry. Like, what can we say about the society we live in? Yeah, and I think the recent beef between Eminem and MGK can also be, like, I would pay attention to the way that goes down, right? I think that the posturing... The potential for violence, the use of homophobia as a as a as a weapon, it indicates the normalcy of that happening in their lives. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people who listen or love Eminem, like, I mean, just the conversation around the beef is like, this guy got torched, this guy got f-ed up, and I think the the posturing, the the it oozes masculinity in a way that 
that men, I think in particular, are really attracted to. So like listening and paying attention to how you feel when you're listening to some of the, the songs, I think is a great self-reflective process because you're, if, you're, if you're critically consuming what things like, what some of the things MGK are say, is saying and some of the things that MG, uh, Eminem is saying, it's a great insight into what you agree and don't agree with. I would definitely use that as a site to either talk to someone else about it. Like, what do you think about Eminem using the word as an insult? Like, it's just a rich location to do so. Yeah. And like, I also think it's really interesting how much as a society, or at least in my experience, we love rapper beefs. We just love when like two rappers just start coming out with diss tracks with each other. More recently, like Drake and Pusha T Mm -hmm. and just like all of these rap tracks that were basically like inundated with, oh, you're a a like all these things that they say that allude to a man expressing femininity as a bad thing. Yes. And I think that would be a good transition to talk about the music that we listen to and see what kind of uh, messages that we're trying to portray. So Carl, what kind of, <laughs> damn it, what kind of tunes are you listening to? Look right into my phone right here. All right. Okay. So two things. One, I've been on this weird Lincoln park kick. Okay. Um, so I have like a playlist of my favorite Linkin Park songs right now on Spotify that I've been listening to. So it's not a phase. Uh, <laughs> just coming in phases. I mean, I like, I, w- I wouldn't call it relapsing, but that's kind of what it feels like. Like every so often I just go back to Linkin Park. Like it had such a tremendous impact on the way I thought about myself. And mm-hmm. when I was growing up in high school and middle school, I guess, um, when some of that came out. And so uh, it, it leaves me more with a nostalgic feeling and often can reflect when I'm like feeling a little extra depressed for some reason. It actually yeah. helps me. And then I just, I don't know, I just kind of recently saw something about Chester Bennington and Mike Shinoda's tour to honor him, basically. Okay. And that got me back into it. But other than that, the permanent playlist I have in my Google Play is full of Blue Scholars. This They're almost all Filipino rappers, but okay. um, Blue Scholars, Bamboo, and then I have a couple of women in here. One by the name of Akua Naru. I love her. Rocky Rivera. I love her. Um, and then Ruby Ibarra is incredible uh, Filipino rapper. And I don't know. I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about my consumption of music, and, and I grew up on like <laughs> Eminem, Beastie Boys, yeah. Dr. Dre. I grew up on that stuff. A little Stevie Wonder here and there, but you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stevie, oh, I love Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder is awesome. I had a really weird sense of music growing up and a very picky sense of music. I was born deaf, and I think a lot of like how I pick, not totally deaf, 25% deaf. Mm-hmm. I think the way I consume music was pretty heavily impacted by that. Okay. And for some reason, hip-hop is the, is the, is the area that stuck for me. Um, and so I found myself when I was younger, enjoying some of the more like smarter, critical, like most deaf and Talib Kweli type of rap. Okay. And so that's the primary way I consume it now where they talk about struggles of poor folks, poor people of color. Um, They talk about systemic oppression in ways through music that are engaging. They talk about police brutality and, and empowerment. Well, I mean, those are separate thoughts, but of course, <laughs> like empowerment, not empowering of people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is a warm up episode. I right? um, so, yeah, I think my musical choices at the moment very much reflective of my values as I navigate life. Yeah. And like diving more deep into those values as a kid or as a young person, would you listen to an artist and just kind of be like, Oh, I'm going to put that into my lexicon of like personality. I no, I didn't. 
um, I didn't absor- absorb the hip hop persona as much as some other white suburban people might. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Asian Americans actually too. Also don on this like exterior of blackness that is gross. Um, I never took that on, but I know that I think when it came to competition, like on a soccer field, that's where some of the language from the music I listened to really translated into my attitude, like the way I talked to the other team in a competitive manner. Yeah. Um, that's where I think it really made an influence for the most part. Yeah. Cause I don't know from personal experience, I definitely have listened to music when I was a kid. I'm like, Oh, I want to be like this or mm. I want to give off that type of persona that's portrayed in this type of music. And so I guess we'll dive into my playlist. What you got? Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's see. I've been listening to some weird, I've been listening to a lot of goth music. Like him? No, no, that's not goth. <laughs> what is it? That's some, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, my my music elitist is coming out. But like some 80s goth, like Bauhaus and like New Order. And I've been listening to a lot of 80s music too. But I've also been listening to a lot of uh, like folk punk and like death metal too. So I think diving a little bit into like the death metal vibe, because I've been listening to heavy music like my entire life. And I think it gives off this persona of like, I'm tougher than you. I'm a tough dude. And like a lot of my music is extremely violent. I mean, you can never understand what they're saying half the time, (laughs) but like when you catch on to a word, it's always like either kill murder or like something like that. (laughs) Growing up, I was a very angsty teenager. I still am. So that has never (laughs) left me. But like when I would sit in class and listen to songs where it's just like, you know, a song titled forced to gender reassignment. And I'm like listening to all these like gory sounds. I think it kind of affected um, how I look at just human beings in general, disdainful of like the human race and whatever. Hmm. And I also listened to a lot of hip hop as well. I started really liking like Tribe Called Quest and like Mm. Diggable Planets and stuff like that. But when I got into college, I got really into like Kendrick Lamar and like Jid and Danny Brown. And those types of artists have very inflammatory lyrics when it comes to women. I knew that I would never want to be the persona that hip hop embodies, but I would find myself having little aspects of it within myself of like, you know, I would say the word like all the time without any thought of it because I just heard all these rappers say it all the time so I thought it was there was nothing about it mm-hmm. but now that I have consciously tried to find better more tolerant music I've definitely like reshaped that schema for sure and we're just joining a long long history of people who are resisting systems of oppression right by being very conscious and aware of the way we spend our money who we give our time to and I think critically engaging with music is one of those locations that we can help and join the social justice movement. Yeah. So what I'd like to do a little short wrap up is give me an artist that you might, you really like, but may be problematic. And I'll try and find an artist that's within the same genre and not as problematic. That I really like, I don't, <laughs> I mean, there was definitely a time where I liked Nicki Minaj. Okay. Yes. Okay. Nicki Minaj. All right. So kind of in the rap genre, a woman. And what I think is very interesting about Nicki Minaj is that she kind of embodies this rap persona of a woman that is kind of that was made generations before her, but she embodies it. You know, if you like rap, I would probably just go like way old school and do some like Missy Elliott or Lauren Hill, Mm -hmm. some like women rappers who were really trying to get out of that stigma of a woman in the rap industry. And so if you are a rap fan out there and you're listening to Nicki Minaj, I would (laughs) 
suggests maybe taking a dive into Lauren Hill and Missy Elliott's discography and seeing what's up. So I'll do one of mine, I guess. So I'm getting a lot more into electronic music now. And I used to listen to a lot of like house music, just the, the boots and cats, like boots and cats and boots and cats, like over and over again. And I listened to this artist called Malaw, M-A-L-A-A, and the lyrics in it, which were very sparse, were very problematic. <laughs> it'd be okay. like it'd be like Biggie Smalls saying it would be like a sample of like, you know, diamonds on my jaw, on my on my arm. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> like that that's fine. <laughs> but uh now getting into it, I would I guess recommend myself Burial with their album Rival Dealer, which is a really awesome album. It does have house music vibes. It's like all the samples are from people who identify as bisexual. And it's kind of this trip into electronic music of like either a part of the bisexual community or like the LGBTQAI plus community and just finding music that kind of like fits with you and tells you that it's okay to be you. So it's very like empowering music and it kind of still has those house music vibes. Cool. Yeah. And with the unlimited options for music these days, there's no excuse not to find someone that like aligns with who you are and what you're about. Yeah. Honestly, just like look it up. Like, yep. go on Google, <laughs> and you can find so many artists that are like that. Word. Okay, so we have a new co-host. Yeah, that's me. That's Peter. Woo. And we thought it would be important that get to know who Peter is a little bit more. Oh, boy. You ready to be interviewed? I guess so, yeah. Okay. Peter, Let's do you do mind it. first starting with the identities that are most salient to you? Okay. Um, I would say I'm a white dude and cisgendered, very privileged. And yeah, that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> Word. And then can you sort of talk about what you're willing to talk about in terms of what your journey through masculinity has been up to this point? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess it all started when I was like a kid and I was really into like, uh, I don't know, music and I would listen to music and I would just like make these music videos in my head. And I think we all have this idealized version of ourselves that we're always trying to get to. And what I noticed when I was a kid is that my idealized version of myself was a little bit more feminine than my other friends. Like I wanted to be kind of skinny. I didn't want to be this buff, huge dude. I really was into fashion when I was a kid. So I dress a little bit different. And so that was kind of my journey through like being on this teeter totter, if you will, balancing femininity and masculinity of who I want to be. And I think as a kid, I definitely knew that I wasn't the archetype of like, you know, lumberjack in the <laughs> woods, okay. shooting birds and eating chew or something. <laughs> and so I think... Does one eat chew? I mean, really hardcore people do. <laughs> okay. That's, okay. That's the epitome of the toxic epitome of masculinity. masculinity. Okay. <laughs> Literally eating cigarettes. But anyway, um, I think, uh, I don't know. I There are a lot of parts to me that I know, like that I've learned throughout media. And I think a lot of movies and TV shows have taught me to be kind of, it's taught me in very good ways and also in very problematic ways. So I would see someone in the media where I'd be like, like a James Bond or something. I think James Bond comes up a lot when men talk about their masculinity as a kid because I wanted to be like this cool spy mysterious guy with like a tortured past and like nobody would understand me <laughs> and I definitely had that going into middle school and high school of that like I need a tortured past and like mysterious vibe so people will think I'm interesting which ultimately just kind of went into me not expressing my emotions enough okay. and I think that's my biggest struggle today is trying to be vulnerable with people and not hating vulnerability as much as I do and understanding that these emotions are normal, everyone experiences them, and I shouldn't try to repress them. What are you doing to work on that? Definitely being more vulnerable with people, I think, is a big thing. 
Like uh, if somebody says how I'm doing, I'll try and give them a comfortable, honest answer. You know, I don't want to put all my woes into this one person that's walking past me on the plaza. It's like, hey, Peter, how are you doing? It's like, oh, man, like this weekend's been like horrible and like all these things have happened. They're like, okay, I got to go to class. But like, (laughs) hope you figure that out. But I've definitely tried to like, um, especially with my guy friends, be a little bit more vulnerable and like trying to find emotional support through them. Because in the past, I've definitely been guilty of going to my women identified friends and just like unloading my emotional labor onto them, which is not fair. So I've definitely tried to shift that to uh, people closer to me who identify as male. Do your dude friends know what you're doing? No. (laughs) (laughs) They have no idea. That sounds like the best type of social justice. Yeah, like, Uh, (laughs) I'll just slowly subvert myself like, you know, guys, I ain't feeling too good. And they're like, you know, two weeks ago, they'll be like, and loser, like, get out of here. <laughs> and then now they'll be like, oh, let's help you. So I'm just trying to like, I'm not going to tell them what's going on, of course. <laughs> okay. That's that's, a, that's one way to do the work. That's cool. It's cool that your friends are, or your male friends, I should say, are starting to support you. Yeah, we're it's a slow, very slow process. But, you know, I ain't thinking of leaving them. So I'm in it for the long haul, I guess. <laughs> How does your passion for music tie into your masculinity? I think just the kind of music I am willing to write definitely gives off like a vibe of like very aggressive and like abrasive sounds so like some of my music is very abrasive and aggressive so i think that ties into me trying to put off this persona of being very hyper masculine but in general i guess my passion for music kind of goes into like i want to create music that will appeal to an audience but i also want to subvert like social justice messages within it this past month i wrote a song called tough guy song and it was all about tough guys <laughs> and it like the documentary no, no okay. <laughs> it's just a song <laughs> okay. i could turn it would be a that great soundtrack but um the the whole song is like very like yeah meat and potatoes like ooh like groove and everything but the lyrics are all about like coming together as guys and like helping each other out with emotional support so it's like this is my tough guy song but like don't go to your girlfriend for all your emotional support like you can come to me bro i love you (laughs) that's awesome but it's me screaming my head off so people can't like really understand it's like a juxtaposition between message and vibe i guess word Anything else you want to add about your journey before we go on to rapid fire? I guess the one thing that I'd want to say is uh, the the biggest influence on my masculinity, I would say, is my dad. And my I love my dad so much. And he's taught me a lot of to, to, to try and be a good man and not just a man. Okay. And so he never like taught me to fight. He once debated on teaching me to fight or something like that. But then he like never he didn't teach me how to like toughen up or anything. He just thought I would learn that through experience, which I think is helpful. And he never like he never had a mold for me to fit in, which I am greatly supportive of. Of course, you know, nobody's perfect. So he did kind of play into the role of me suppressing some emotions. But um, I think for all the great work he's done, I think it's like it's okay to kind of pass on that and for me to individually work on that. But I think he's been like my biggest role model when it comes to what is a good man. Cool. Shout out to your dad. Yeah. Shout out to my, my, my pa. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, You ready? Yes. Rapid fire. Here we go. Here we go. What is your middle name? Uh, It's actually my dad's name, James. Oh, hey, there you go. I did not plan that at all. (laughs) (laughs) So you talked a lot about listening to music. Do you you play music? Uh, Yeah. What do you play? I play, well, I play guitar, bass guitar, synthesizer. I still play bass clarinet and clarinet and zither, and that's about it for now. If you could download 
an instrument that you could just play, like the Matrix? Which which instrument would it be? Oh, that'd definitely be the piano. Okay. I would love to be able to play the piano. That'd be cool. Okay. You mentioned fashion earlier that you were into fashion. I don't have anything rapid to ask about it, but tell me more about it. <laughs> fashion. <laughs> fashion, go. So most of my uh, outfits are from H&M just because they don't have brands on it. And that's nice. Mm. But I don't know. Fashion just gives me kind of a sense of confidence. So like I want to look good. I feel good. So I wear a lot of black. My my fashion tip to y'all is if it ain't black, you put it back. <laughs> really? Um, favorite color? Purple. Easy. Second favorite color? Red. Third favorite color? Blue. Do you have a fourth? I don't think I could do four. Green. <laughs> Just making them up. No, that's for real. That's, that's legit. That's legit. Favorite color nail polish? Oh gosh. I'm wearing silver right now. It's kind of a corally silver. Uh, I would have to say purple just because it's my favorite color. Okay. I hope we can draw out more of your sense of funniness as we go on here. <laughs> Do you have a favorite joke? A favorite joke? Oh boy. Um, I don't know. All my jokes are really weird <laughs> and situational and most of people don't understand them. I'm drawing a blank. I'm trying to think of a really good joke that I made. Let me think on that for a second. We'll come back. Has your hair ever been a different color? Oh, I've never dyed my hair. I'm shocked. Yeah, I've never really wanted to, actually. Okay. I just, uh, it's a good color. I love it. <laughs> it's brown. <laughs> He's lying. It's, <coughs> I don't know. <coughs> you good? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> so you cough when you're lying? Uh, I had one more and I forgot it. Do you have a joke? I, I really like this one. It's really stupid, but it's really dumb. So uh, two guys walked into a bar and the other one ducked. And that will do it for this episode of Woo. Do You Even Live Pro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Uh, thank you for sharing, by the way, Peter. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me forever now. Forever. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow this podcast to happen. For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WGAC, go to wgac.colostate.edu. For more KCSU content, go to KCSUFM. Com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, a.k.a. Zavley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks for listening, everyone. Peace. Whoa. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be really bad at this game. Hang on. We're going to just cut part of this, but hang on. You're good. <laughs> Hmm, artist high. I, I, um, let's see. I mean, there was definitely a time where I liked Nicki Minaj.